Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong show. Jacqueline Coley is here with me. I'm Mark Ellis. And Jacqueline, I kick it over to you with a simple phrase. And I think you know where I'm going with this. You who? <laughs> I'll make you famous. Uh, this is the day. This is the day that I've been waiting for since August of 1990. And I'm sure let's you share my enthusiasm. Sir. Yeah, let's finish the game. Let's finish the game, and that game will be finished with Jacqueline, myself, and our very special guest today, Mr. Alan Ruck, who will be talking with us about Young Guns 2. He plays Henry William French slash Buckshot George for a brief second there in Young Guns 2. The movie came out, like I said, in August of 1990. And Jacqueline, a crime against humanity, in particular the Old West, has been committed here because the tomato meter says that Young Guns 2, which I thought was like 40% a couple months ago, it's now down to 29% rotten. It does rebound with the audience score at 66%, but um, I I hope Alan Ruck is on the same page as us where this movie deserves in Freshville. I hope he is. I mean, he's the one that picked this. I know anyone listening to the podcast is going to assume that you and I like slip, like stack the deck and gave him like 10 choices eight of which was Young Guns 2, and the other two were like <laughs> Paddington 2. Anyway, no, um, we know this is his choice, and I agree, man. It is a it is a crime. It is a travesty, although not surprising because, again, the original was, was 40-something percent rotten, and Westerns usually don't fare that well. But we know better. We know better. It was, it was one of my gripes about the, the celebrated Rotten Tomatoes book, um, that was sort of the rotten movies we love is the name of the book, talking about rotten movies that we still celebrate. Young Guns 1 is in that book with an essay. And I told our editor-in-chief at the time, Joel Mears, that I want to write Young Guns 2 when the sequel to that book comes out. So that dream, still alive. And again, Alan Ruck is our special guest. We're going to be joined with in just a little bit here. And you know him, obviously, as Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Young Guns 2 for Jacqueline and I. He currently stars in the hit HBO show Succession. He's also been in everything from Star Trek uh, Generations. He was in Twister, which, you know, again, I could talk to him all day about. You, you t- Jacqueline, you talk about a guy who's got a great filmography with great soundtrack accompaniment. Young Guns 2 is Bon Jovi. Twister is the last iteration of Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. So I could just talk about rock music soundtracks with this guy for an hour. <laughs> Very much so. But, you know, 
there were some other things that happened uh, in Young Guns other than the music. Like, I mean, I yes. would just talk to him about that. And I think uh, that's probably going to be what we talk about a lot on my end of it. But yeah, man, I uh, this guy, when you think about everything that he's done, I'm glad that we get to talk to him about Young Guns, but he can come back for a lot of different episodes. Well, you said that there's a lot within the world of Young Guns, too. And just fair warning, everybody, at the end of the interview, hopefully if I get time, I need to ask him about this poster conundrum that <laughs> I'm in right now. I have a Young Guns 2 poster. It's not with me. If you keep listening, you'll hear the reason why. Yes, Nathan, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you have property, basically. You don't. I don't really know it's, if you can call it yours. You could say that you have... It's sort of like my mortgage. It's like the bank really owns it, but I'm the one that has to pay the bill. Like that's where you are right now. An yeah. outlaw to get this poster back. And I am yeah. willing to do so. I'm willing to take this and go right down to old Mexico and live out the rest of my days. Um, but let's talk about Young Guns too, Jacqueline. You have the joyous task of giving us the synopsis for Young Guns 2. What is this movie about for anybody who hasn't seen it yet? Yeah, first of all, shame on you. But yes, Young Guns 2 is the seminal follow-up to the amazing hit Young Guns, which sort of details Billy the Kid's emergence from the Lincoln County Wars, which was a territory cattle wrestling war. That's the events of the first one. In the sequel, we find Billy still on the run, making a name for himself as Billy the Kid, and he's essentially trying to get the gang back together. Uh, Doc and Chavez are being held, uh, awaiting hanging. He's trying to make a deal with the governor so he can get pardoned and maybe live out his days somewhere. And in doing so, he enlists some new faces like Christian Slater playing uh, Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh. Also, our illustrious guest today, Mr. Alan Rupp playing Henry William French and a host of other folks, including his former partner, Pat Garrett, the man who is credited with killing him um, on the hunt to sort of bring him to justice. That group bringing him to justice also includes a before he was famous, but still awesome Vigo Mortensen. And all of this is framed under the guise of Brushy Bill Roberts, who in 1940 something, 50 something, said that he was Billy the Kid and tried to get credit for that. And sort of the story kicks off with him telling the story of Young Guns 2 as a very old man. And we sort of follow their adventures to try and find the Mexican Blackbird make their way into Mexico. And uh, yeah, he's he's telling it. He's telling the story to Bradley to a young Bradley Whitford. So and, uh, yeah, to a young Bradley Whitford before the West Wing, but after Revenge of the Nerds. As my friend Greg <laughs> from college would say, um, a phenomenal cast. And so that's who we're going to be talking Young Guns to with is one of the members of that great cast. But before we do, it's time to hear what the critics were saying at the time of Young Guns 2, because I, I can't imagine why this movie was rotten to begin with. And the fact that it sunk to 29% is a crime against all cowboys and horses alike. This is the part of the show where our expert review curation manager, Tim Ryan, gives us the breakdown on what the film reviewers were saying at the time of the movie's release. Tim, take it away. Two minutes with Tim. I'm going to start by reading a quote from a July 22nd, 1881 New York Times article about the death of Billy the Kid. In appearance, Billy was one of the mildest persons imaginable. His soft blue eye was so attractive that those who saw him for the first time looked upon him as a victim of circumstances. In spite of his innocent appearance, however, Billy the Kid was really one of the most dangerous characters which this country has produced. Henry McCarty, a.k.a. William H. Bonney, a.k.a. Billy the Kid, was dead by 21, but as the aforementioned article indicates, the mass media treated him like a pop idol, and by the time of his death, his exploits had already been elevated into the realm of myth. 
A lot of critics chuckled about the fresh-faced cast and the flashy MTV style of the Young Guns movies, but in retrospect, that actually seems like one of the most realistic things about them. But at a time when the general consensus was that the Western as a genre was dying, and with decades of Billy the Kid movies to reckon with, including Arthur Penn's The Left-Handed Gun starring Paul Newman or Sam Peckinpah's Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, critics found Young Guns 2 lacked the grit and gravitas of the great Westerns of the past. Young Guns 2 is rotten at 29% on the tomato meter with 24 reviews, though it does have a 66% audience score. And just for comparison, the original Young Guns is rotten at 41%. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote that, as played by Emilio Estevez, Billy tends to giggle at tense moments and, during important ones, to mumble. The other members of the Lincoln County Regulators, Billy's gang, share a similar boyishness that's geared far more carefully to the taste of today's teenage audiences than to the folklore of the Old West. However, in a fresh review, Michael Wilmington of the Los Angeles Times wrote, full of sound, gunfire, fury, and scorchingly beautiful landscapes, Young Guns 2 generates more sheer visual excitement than any Western since Peckinpah and Leone were in their late 70s prime. So that's Young Guns 2. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline and Mark, who at various points have individually been described as devils on the run, six-gun lovers, and candles in the wind. Yeah. Back to you, folks. Yeah. Dan Jacqueline, I just just a note to every critic in 1990. Uh not every cowboy in the old west needs to be played by old John Wayne or ancient Clint Eastwood, okay? So the movie's called Young Guns. Were you expecting to see your dad as Billy the Kid? I mean, also the biggest parts of Billy the Kid's exploits were when he was kind of a teenager. Yes. Like legit, man. Like he died at 21. Do you think and also, too, I, I think people forget, man, at 16, you were damn near ready to marry back then. You know, like this was not this was not the same timeline here. It's a short life when you lived in the old west. You lived and died by the sword or gun, as the case may be. And so now I'm fired up. I'm ready to get rolling. Let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about succession. Let's see who should be the rightful owner of my Young Guns 2 poster. And let's bring in Mr. Alan Ruck. And as promised here on the show, we have an actor who's been part of our lives on stage and screen for decades. You probably remember him as Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off right through his current run as Connor Roy on Succession, which is now in its third season on HBO. You can catch it airing on Sunday nights. But the reason why we bring him here today, we wanted to have him on as a guest anyway. But the fact that Alan Ruck chose Young Guns 2 as his movie. Alan, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Can you confirm that there was no arm twisting from either Jacqueline or myself, who are huge Young Guns 2 fans, that this is actually the movie you wanted to talk about? Right. Well, I said, I really don't know what to talk about. And then a, a list was <laughs> supplied. and a, a movie that I happened to be in was on it. And I'm like, well, I can talk about that. I know something about that one. Yeah. Okay, well, good. That's, that, something. that's fair something. enough, because Jacqueline and I have been shouting from the rooftops, on podcasts, on stage, wherever we can, about the praises of Young Guns 2. And so you play Henry William French in the movie. And before we get into the specifics, your experience, talking about our favorite scenes, just as, as simply as you can possibly say here, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about Young Guns 2? Because it currently is 29% rotten on the tomato meter. The stink factor has set in. It's like it's like putrefaction has set in. Um, yeah, I, I do disagree with that. I mean, uh, you know, everybody's is entitled to their opinion. 
Um, uh, there's a couple things about the movie that I would have done differently had I produced it or directed it, not actually directed it, had I produced it. But um, mostly I think, I think it's a pretty good Western and um, I think there's some amazing actors in it, you know? So I, I do disagree with the, the 29%. That's bad. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty low. Yeah. And it just dropped again recently. I, I remember it being it in like the again. 40s or 30s. And so, but, but this is why we do the show here and it's great having you on the team because I want to say that Jacqueline, we probably took sister act two up at least 10 or 15 percentage points. And so I think we can do the same for young guns too. I agree. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I want to be yeah. part of this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Also, we might add it. The original is not exactly a sterling example of freshness either. And it got a sequel. So let's just be honest. They knew what they were going into this. So I'm like, I'm like, whatever. This is a fun yeah. movie. A fun yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie. And it's 66% on the audience score. So the audience score is fresh, which is, Sort of the redeeming value of Young Guns, too, is that it was made for us audiences and we do indeed love it. Jacqueline, what would you say is Rotten Tomatoes wrong? I assume I know your answer here. Definitely wrong. I, I don't. I mean, honestly, yeah, we follow that guy, Billy the Kid. But let's be honest, when the real protagonist, Mr. French, comes up is when the, the movie really kicked the high gear. No, it's a great film. I love Lou Diamond Phillips. He's actually from my hometown of Corpus Christi. I love the score by Alan Silvestri, also the songs by John Bon Jovi. And it's just a really fun Western with all of the fun Western elements. And, you know, Keith R. Sutherland is Doc. It just, I don't know how people can't have fun with these characters. And in some ways, although it's very different than the original, it's like, even more enjoyable. You get you get some Bradley Whitford in the opening. I mean, how can you go wrong with this? I, I don't know how people couldn't love it. Well, yeah. I'm, boy, I'm glad to hear that. That's yeah, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah, so legit. Like me and Mark, we're not joking. Talk about this movie all the time. I've interviewed Alan Silvestri, and people want to talk to him about Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. I'm like, let's talk about Young Guns too. <laughs> <laughs> the score is amazing, as is the soundtrack. And so when, when we when we come to to Alan Ruck's participation in Young Guns 2 as Henry William French or for about five seconds, Buckshot George, your experience and, and your filming of the movie, I was reading that you showed up a couple weeks early on set just so you could kind of get the, the feel of riding a horse and using weapons on a horse and all that stuff. And you were working with like real wranglers and ranch hands. Did you feel like Billy Crystal in City Slickers when you're just meeting these people for the first time? That feeling has not really left me. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I went uh, north of Los Angeles here to uh, the, the ranch of this, this fellow named Jack Lilly, who's an old time cowboy actor, stuntman, wrangler. And uh, I took some riding lessons up there. And because uh, uh, Jeff Murphy, the director, I went in and I in the British fashion, he didn't make me audition. He just interviewed me, you know? So I sat down, I talked with this guy and then they offered me this part. So it was, the whole thing was painless. And then um, I said, but you should know that I, 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 I haven't ridden a horse since I was 10 years old. And then it was only for about five minutes. And he said, don't worry. We'll, yeah, we'll take, there's a guy we're going to send you to and you'll take lessons. Yeah. I got, I got dumped really hard twice in that movie. Uh, there's uh there's this one horse that later dumped and dragged Lou Phillip and, and broke his arm, Lou Diamond Phillips. And uh, he was described, the horse was described by the Cowboys as being a rank prick. Um, I don't know if we, I don't know what we can say, but um, we were, we were, uh, 
we were just rehearsing and um, apparently there was something wrong with uh, the bit in the horse's mouth. It had a little sharp edge or something. And so I tried to rein him back and he started bucking. I mean, he started bucking like this. And I was scared out of my mind. And I heard Lou uh, yelling like, ride him, Alan! <laughs> you know, and um, then I hit the ground really hard. And uh, uh, one of the cowboys, a guy named Daniel Lee Spacey, I don't think he's on the planet anymore, but he said, if you lasted two more seconds, you would have made the rodeo. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think I lasted for a whole four seconds before the horse got me off his back. Oh. So that was, you know, yeah, I, I, there were many visits to the chiropractor after that movie. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you did for your craft, sir. We appreciate it. We really do. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. It's not all, you know, sunglasses. <laughs> well, I have a question, too, about it, because since you can give us a bit of the behind the scenes, was there anyone who was particularly great at the horse work on the team? Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, uh, this is the first time I met Vigo. And this was before Vigo became a big star. Yeah. You know, and um, he and this other this cowboy, Daniel Lee and I, we sort of became the three headed monster. We just kind of hung out together for a while in uh, old Tucson. And um, Vigo would go on his uh, off days, on his free days, he would go over to uh, the ranch right outside of town, right outside of Tucson, where they kept, I don't know how many horses there were, but there, there had to be 40, 40 or 50 horses. And um, he would go in and he would feed them. He would break up the hay and he would feed them by hand. And then he would find something to step up on and he would get up on them bareback and hold on to their mane, you know, and he would ride them around bareback just gently around the pen. So he had a re he was like the horse whisperer of, of all of us. He really was. Awesome. He was really tuned in to, to those horses. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. It's you can you can see the authenticity and and the, the care that the performers like yourself put into, you know, really wanting to do a lot of the own stunts and, and riding the horses and, and working with all the weapons and stuff. And then you cut to the first time you actually saw the movie. What I, I assume it was at a premiere situation of some sort. When you see the finished product, did you have any visceral reaction right away to what you were watching? Yeah, I mean, the, the truth was in that movie, I played the sad, sorry guy. And that's not who you want to play in a Western. You want to be the guy like <laughs> Christian Slater had a scene where he rode his horse through a plate glass window and started shooting people. That's yeah. really who you want to be. You yeah. don't want to be, you know, the, the, the grieving widower. It's, it's not that exciting in, in Western. 
Um, but I, I thought it was really, uh, I thought it was really well done. I thought Jeff Murphy did a great job. I thought it was beautifully shot. That was Dean Semler, I believe, was a cinematographer. You know, just world-class cameraman. Uh, so I, it was just, I thought it was, I thought it was a big, beautiful movie. Jack, when did you first see Young Guns too? Because I'm a little older than you, so you probably missed it in the theaters, right? Yeah, I didn't see this one in the theaters because I think I was like seven or like <laughs> six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. What it says seven when this came out, and my mom was definitely not about it. But we had a great thing, which it's called Encore Stars now, but it used to be called Encore, just like plain Encore. And the main thing they played on that was westerns, like westerns, a lot of like things from like the early seventies. It wasn't, it was old movies, but it was old movies that were not on TCM, but around the same time period. So like TCM was all the like very highly rated stuff. So like Encore did everything else. And I saw it on Encore and that was great because I got to see all the cursing and all of the like community <laughs> stuff. It wasn't like the TNT version, which I've watched since then. It's not as good. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was like, I was initially like shut down for it. And then also because I was an MTV kid, I did get to watch then Bon Jovi and then perform, uh, you know, like uh, at the at the awards when he was like nominated for best music song. <laughs> yeah. Blaze of Glory. That video was yeah. everywhere. And so just quick, boring story that actually leads into our memorable scenes from the movie is I remember seeing the movie and it was one of the first theater experiences I had just me and my older sister going to the movies by ourselves. My mom oh. dropping us off watching Young Guns 2. And the reason we were so excited is six months earlier, we were seeing another movie in the theater. It might have been Batman 1980. I can't remember what it was, but. There were two trailers that I distinctly remember. One was for The Exorcist 3 because I had just gotten over how scared The Exorcist made me when I had initially seen it. And then, you know, the the it's been 17 years since you walked these steps. And I'm like, damn it, we're doing this again. And then <laughs> the next trailer that came on was this movie franchise. I'd never heard of the first Young Guns. And we we see all these sweeping Western shots. And, and then the end of the trailer was Billy the Kid, Emilio Estevez, pulling his gun and saying, you who, I'll make you famous. And that stuck with me. And my sister and I left whatever movie we were watching afterwards saying, we need to immediately bookmark when that movie comes in the theaters, just because that line alone was so important to me and my entire life since then. Just the way, just the cockiness with which he delivers it, how it's clever trash talk that probably wouldn't get a flag thrown on in the NFL, but you're still letting your opponent know I'm better at this than you. And that is one of my favorite scenes, but it's also not just because of how cool and cowboy Billy the Kid is. It's also because in a similar scene where it's you, Alan Ruck's character, uh, Henry William French is standing up to John Chisholm, the man who stole your farm because... Like you can say that you're sort of the, the sad sack of the movie, but when push comes to shove and your back's against the wall, you will stand up for yourself. So that yeah. scene was just, it, it was such a great part of a great movie. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. We had such wonderful people on that movie. I mean, uh, James Coburn. Yeah. Come on. We had, um, well, Billy Peterson, I knew from Chicago, from my days in Chicago. So that was really uh, fun to have him playing Pat Garrett and, uh, we had Leon Rippey, we had Tracy Walter, we had Jack Kehoe, we had Scott Wilson. Yeah. I mean, these are like some really big Hollywood heavyweight character actors, you know, and then James Coburn. I mean, I mean, movie legend. 
Yeah, I was gonna say, what was it like going, you know, giving it to James Colbert in the scene? Like, I just imagine that's on my highlight reel for forever. <laughs> I, I, you know, okay, I'm, I'm gonna. I've never told this, but anyway, between between takes, you know, I was doing that like, you know, down home hillbilly accent, and um, Colburn leaned over to somebody and he said, "I love what he's doing," <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. so I was like, "Well, that." That'll carry me for 30 years. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you know, what's the, scene, what's the scene for you, Alan, that, that stands out? If you're just watching the, the completed film and you say, oh, that that was the scene that, that really elevates the picture. There's uh, I mean, there's there's a number of moments. I don't know if I can just pin it down to one. There, there's a scene where um, it's a slow push in on Billy Peterson as Pat Garrett. And I can't remember the context now, but he's just, he's, he's really conflicted. He's scared. And um, I, I mean, he's really fine actor, Bill. And I just think, I think a trap with playing these legends is that they can, you know, it's just like, Oh, here's the guy that, you know, was the fastest gun in the West or whatever. And you can, you can fall into cliches, but I think what everybody did in that movie was uh, bring a human element to it. And so when people were scared, they, they let you see it. It's like, yeah, I mean, they still went ahead and drew their pistols, but that didn't mean they weren't scared out of their minds. You know, the different comedic bits that ran through the film, like Jack Kehoe kept saying, I, I need to stop. I need to have a movement. I need to have a movement. <laughs> right. And then something happens and scares the hell out of Vigo's character. And he just quietly says it in his Vigo way. I think I need to have a movement, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I just thought it was, I think John Fusco did a really good job uh, with that screenplay. I thought it was entire and complete. Garrett, get me off this animal. I have to have a movement. You have to have a what? He has to have a shit. You have to have a movement, please. That's the fourth one today. Sheriff, at the risk of offending you, your newspaper man is hindering an important government operation. I had a ball. I mean, I got beat up a lot but <laughs> with the horse thing, but um, I, I was thrilled to be part of a Western. I think maybe I have one more in me. I just have to go to the gym and I have to get my legs really strong, you know, so I can do it. But I think I'd like to do one more Western before it's all over. It's all about the squats, man. It, it's it, you get the quads <laughs> and, and the hams loose and, and ready to ride. Get get those abductors and agductors down there, yeah, ready to ride a horse one more time. And you know, Jacqueline, it, it's funny. Alan brings up that scene because the juxtaposition of of Pat Garrett's character, played by William Peterson, who everybody loves from CSI, and every time CSI is on, I'm like, that's that's Pat Garrett. It's like <laughs> we see him yeah. when he's off, when he's offered the money because he starts out friends with Billy the Kid, and then he gets offered all this money that w he'll never have to be a ranch hand again. And we see him with still with the mutton chops, and he's kind of mulling yeah. this deal over. And then the next time we see him. He's like the man in black and he's just mm -hmm. got all this new clothes and he's doing the pistol and he's like ready to go get Billy the Kid. It's another great scene in the movie. What's what's Jacqueline Coley's scene that you point to and you say, that's why I love this movie? I mean, there's a lot. I Everything that Lou Diamond Phillips does in that movie, like when he does the, the moment when him and Doc get thrown into the pit and he's just like going through, it's like the spirit horse will come to you if you reach the other side. And Doc's like, I don't want to reach the other side. He's like, me neither. <laughs> like, I love that joke. I thought that was such a great joke. Um, I also loved when Billy shoots the deputy from the window and he's just like, best book 85 percent And I love that. Um, Poor Bob. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, 
there's so many and I, I guess I'm like leaning in on the on the comedic moments of it. But, you know, even even the more I would say less comedic, but I think interesting. Um, what's her name? And I'm, I'll need to look up her name right right quick. But when she walks, when she rides out of town, uh, Jenny uh, Wright, but yeah, yeah. just <laughs> like this. Get it. That those roles for women in those movies are very limited to begin with, but I just really loved that her yeah, her riding out in that moment. Um, yeah. What else? You can kiss my ass. What's that what's that character's name? Jane Jane Greathouse? Is that right what it was? Jane Jane Greathouse and she yeah, says yeah. I think the town is White Oaks, and she says, you can kiss my ass, and then <laughs> for, a, for, for, a, for a 10-year-old in the movie theater watching on the big screen, I'm not going to say that was my least favorite scene. <laughs> no, no, no. Exactly. I'm sure you found that very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say, Alan, if you do know the Western, please do. We just had an episode where we talked to uh, Tim Blake Nelson, and he is the lead in Old Henry, where yep. he plays like legit, like a very sort of john wick type character where you don't know this person's skills until it's too late type thing right, so i right. could totally see you play it into that universe sir you know what i'm saying like that is literally in your wheelhouse that kind of like you don't know what i come to bring um uh to the table i like that though that's what i like about westerns everyone's got a, a backstory it seems like before we get yeah. into the film well their life was so hard i mean you just figure that the people that actually survived they they had something going on even if you know you couldn't judge a book by its cover but i mean they had they had some skills otherwise they never would have survived and you get to see more of more of that life i feel like in young guns too because i'm a fan of the first one but emilio estevez has a quote that i think is very accurate where talking about the first young guns he says it was like the first heavy metal western where there it feels like there's a lot of modernisms in the old west in that movie and we're really just looking at these characters getting together but young guns 2 feels more like a sergio leone movie because we get some of those huge sweeping shots with the the epic alan silvestri score and you just feel like you get to know what it actually feels like to live and die in the old west and that's sort of the fallout of that movie and it's something that i always am hesitant when i put the movie on which is probably way too frequently is towards the end you know we're, we're saying goodbye to a lot of these characters at least we think because we, we yeah. lose we lose doc we lose arkansas dave goes to mexico and it doesn't end up well for him mm -hmm. no. but henry william french makes it well he just he he stepped away at the right time. Hey, <laughs> so brilliant! Listen, got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. That's, that's it. That's think. it. Like, wait a minute. This is this is a really fun ride, guys. But um, here's where I get off this particular train. It was you know it was it was really exciting. Poor Lou, that same horse that dumped me in rehearsal. They were doing this setup where they're breaking Chavez out of jail, and so Lou's hands were behind his back and uh, tied. And so he didn't have uh, uh, any way to get to his bridle reins. Uh, one of the wranglers, Steve Hannes said, get some fishing wire and let, you know, some fishing line and, and hook him up to the reins so I can hold the, the reins off camera. Uh, and they didn't really know how crazy this horse was because they were shooting spark balls. They shoot, it's like an air gun that shoots a little thing that makes it hits bricks and it makes sparks. So it looks like a bullet, you know? And um, they were shooting those, and this horse was really twitchy. And um, so Steve Hanna said, let me hold this horse. And he said, no, we can't because we'll see you in the shot. 
And sure enough, they shot off a spark ball and that horse took off. Lou's hands were behind his back. He fell off the horse, but one foot was stuck in a stirrup and was dragging him out into the desert. And the only reason, uh, where were we at that time? We were in in New Mexico. And the only reason um, he didn't get dragged to his death is because his arm hit a wagon wheel, a parked wagon, shattered his uh, arm. But that was what loosened him up from the horse. Otherwise, he would have been dragged to death in the dark. We never would have found him probably until a day later. You know? Wow. And um, yeah. And um, we were supposed to go out to dinner uh, after he was going to call me up when he got off uh, uh, work and we were going to go out and grab something to eat. <laughs> Apparently, Lou, the badass, said to as they were putting him in the ambulance, he said, tell Alan I won't be able to make it for supper. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, my yeah. respect for Lou Diamond Phillips has just gained exponentially. Yeah, Man, he's, he's, a, oh he's a toughie. God. Well, that's sort yeah. of like the movie theme itself. Like that's pals for you. You know, that, that's really just willing to willing to stick it out for your friends. And, and, and when you look at this in, in the con, because th- that scene is also one, another one of my favorites because of that one look that you see on Lou Diamond Phillips's face as Chavez, where it's this lynch mob and they're coming to exercise the mob justice so that the town or the, 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 poli- the politicians don't have to get their hands dirty with these outlaws. We're just going to have a mob do it. But Billy is disguised as a lynch mob and he brings some of his boys with him instead. And the look on Chavez's face when he hears the laugh because the first time that Doc gets thrown into the pit after he gets you know taken away from New York he asks Chavez where is he and where speaking about Billy and they they don't have any clue where he is and when he hears that laugh it's just you see it's a quick moment but you just see all of these emotions and these feelings of riding with the regulators wash over him in that one scene. And then, as you said, all hell breaks loose and, and bullets are firing and Arkansas Dave is riding a horse through a plate glass wind. And that's the kind of stuff that you love seeing in Westerns right there. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, I was very envious of Christian Slater that, I mean, actually it wasn't him. It was a stunt man, but it's just the, the, the he was the guy that got to ride through plate glass window. I was just I mean, about to say, I don't think, I mean, don't get me wrong. He was awesome in Heather's and in cuffs, but I just don't think that he had built up those much, you know? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, no. And you did, you want to, you want to leave that to the professionals. I mean, you know, you, even guys that do their own stunts, they know when to say when. And, um, you know, there's some things it's like, just leave it to the people that really know how. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's something that I've always wrestled with about the mythology of Billy the Kid. And, and I love the way that this movie's framed with old brushy Bill Roberts and was he or wasn't he actual Billy the Kid. But it's, it's a conundrum, right? Because he's not a hero. And the one rule my mom had when she dropped us off at Young Guns 2, I still remember saying like, okay, kids, just remember, uh, he's not a hero. He's not a good guy. So as long as you know that, I guess he's like an anti-hero. But I even have problems calling him that because the whole premise of Young Gun Sue is he's leading y'all on a wild goose chase that ends up being something that he invented. And so there's that question of when are you a good leader versus when are you just wanting to hang out with your friends and leading them down the wrong path? How do you rectify these movies that sort of celebrate Billy the Kid? Or do you think that they do a good job of kind of showing the real person that we that, that we think we know? Well, one, one thing that I think uh, Young Guns 2 does well is it shows how corrupt the powers that be are. And so um, whether Billy the Kid was a hero, or whether he was a bad guy, he was 
he was both. Uh, I mean, uh, but uh, the truth is that he stood up to some people who uh, should have been doing a better job as, as public servants. And they were, they were thoroughly corrupt. And um, so uh, I just think he wasn't about to let anybody like that tell him how to lead his life or, you know, I mean, a true, a true rebel. And uh, I think that's one thing that the movie does really well. It shows that, well, maybe these guys were wild and maybe, yeah, they, they got in gunfights and they, you know, some people got killed, but the circumstances they were in, there wasn't much of a choice. It was either do that or lie down and let people walk all over you. The governor, that whole like storyline where he basically lies to him. I thought <laughs> yes. that was really interesting too. Just like, the idea that he was just like, I should have dusted his excellency when I had to shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, uh, I agree. Um, also, even Colburn's character, you know, men of that time, if he, because he was the richest man in the territory, and when he says, I am New Mexico, he wasn't like hyperbole. He really was at that point. He could do whatever. There was no law. There was no any repercussions to him just because he was the man in the area with the most money, which I think, uh, you know, it's kind of a Robin Hood tale in that way. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, these, 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 you just realize that uh, things have always been this way. I mean, in, in the old day, I mean, wherever people wound up being, whoever the baron was or whoever the lo- uh, landlord was, or I mean, in the old days, it was kings and queens and emperors. And today it's captains of industry. And it's um, so the, the dynamic doesn't really change. The titles change and uh, maybe the different areas of the world change, time periods change, but um, it's the same struggle against people who think they answer to no one and, and other people who say, no, no, you got to answer to me. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if John Chisholm was alive today, he probably would be building a rocket to go up to space for about 10 <laughs> seconds and then uh, come maybe, right back down maybe, to earth. He'd be in the oil. He'd be in the oil business. He would totally yeah. be a modern day Rockefeller too. If I, I mean, we, we can't talk about Young Guns too w- without bringing up the legendary soundtrack by John Bon Jovi, and it's such an interesting backstory because I guess him and Emilio had been pals on the first Young Guns, and they really were they they played "Wanted Dead or Alive" on set a lot just to kind of get in the theme, and they approached Bon Jovi about using that song. And he said, well, yeah, but there's some modern references. So I don't really think it works. Let me try to write something. And then it didn't work out for the original, but it certainly worked out for the sequel. Were, were you ever on set when when John Bon Jovi w- was hanging around? Because the lore has it that he was kind of scribbling Blaze of Glory and, and kind of wrote it in a day while he was on set. I don't actually remember. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't in every scene. I didn't work every day. And I don't really remember him being on set though i know he was there but i don't remember seeing him on set i uh, i met him sometime later when we were doing uh press tours and promos and so forth uh, that doesn't surprise me at all that 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 he wrote that in a day i mean i i think when when people get inspired when when creativity strikes it, it usually it actually usually happens fairly quickly um i know that he's a big western fan um uh, i know that he he's way into cowboy culture so it, that doesn't surprise me at all that he dashed that off that quickly. It's when people have those gifts, um, they're sort of obsessed and possessed. And it's just, I have to get this out of my head and onto paper, <laughs> you know? And so I think he's in his way, he has that same gift that, that like John Hughes had John Hughes used to write scripts over a weekend. Cause he just, 
it just was in his head and he had to get it out. So I, that doesn't surprise me at all about Bon Jovi. Yeah, and wrote a lot of scripts that he didn't even want credit for. He didn't even ask credit for and just it shaped even more of our lives than we know. Yeah, he, he was he was playing games, but he, he just wanted to escape Hollywood and he did. Uh, Jacqueline, do you still fire up that Young Guns 2 soundtrack like I do? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I fired it up uh, this past weekend. I fired up the score as well, which is also on Spotify. Um, yeah, the no, score I is so great. I'm so glad you brought that up, too, because it does feel like, like Ennio Morricone, especially that opening yeah. shot. And, and we just see all, all these guys riding towards what is going to be a ruse from Billy and mm-hmm. his gang at that time. It's just such a great way to open a Western. Yeah. Yeah. He's I mean, as you said, the, the, the man's list of credits uh, pretty impressive. And, um, so I, you know, it was, um, I think the first picture did, did pretty well at the box office. I mean, enough to merit a sequel. And then I think on the second movie, um, I think they really did it right. They hired some really big Hollywood star actors to work with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff Murphy is original was, he's gone now, but he was originally from New Zealand and um, he just had this sort of wild, I think he made his bones doing music videos and, and uh, rock and roll footage in New Zealand. And he just had this kind of, he had in his own way, he had a little outlaw feel to him. Yeah. Um, but they just hired some really wonderfully talented people. And uh, it's, so I do disagree with this 29% thing. <laughs> hey, look, even back at the time, y'all got the last laugh because um, you guys worked on a pretty modest budget, but it was still a hit. Like, I mean, this was back in the 90s where any movie that got over 50 million was making some, you know what I mean? Making some oh, yeah. in the box office. So, and look, look at the legacy of it. This is, again, not just a me and Mark loved thing. I know you have a a few things that folks probably talk to you more than often, but can you, do you like hold a special place in your heart? If someone comes up to you and is like, they're not going to talk about Ferris. They're not going to talk about succession. They're like, cause I'm basically hoping that if I met you, you would have been like, she's cool. Cause she wants to talk about young. <laughs> <laughs> you are cool. You are cool. And, uh, uh, no matter what. But do you get those folks? Like, do you get, yeah, them, like, I used to, I don't, I haven't done this in a while, but I used to go to those autograph shows like Star Trek conventions and so forth. I was in a Star Trek movie once. And so it's just, you know, it's shameless. You just go and, you know, you sell pictures of yourself. But um, every now and then somebody would come up with uh, a photo from Young Guns 2. And it was just, it was like, oh, Aww, look like at you. That. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's a, it's definitely only now and then, but it's uh, it's always it's always refreshing. I, I do have a, a question about a piece of Young Guns 2 memorabilia that I own, but is not necessarily with me and my person currently. We'll get to that in a minute, but I, I do want to transition a little bit into your your current show, Succession, which is such a monster hit on HBO. And, you know, Jacqueline, I don't know if you look at this the same way, but in the same way that Young Guns 2, there's like a wrestle as to whose gang it is because Arkansas Dave wants it to be his gang and Billy wants it to be his gang. I kind of feel the same thing with all of Logan Roy's children where they're all sort of vying for the company. And maybe that would have been a gang in the old West. So you, because Alan, you've been in so many great ensembles over the years. What is it about this particular group of folks that, that makes Succession so special? I, I actually think they're such despicable characters. They're really the worst people on planet Earth. I mean, they're really <laughs> terrible. They, re- they really are. Um, even, even my guy, Connor, 
who seems fairly benign, he's a sociopath. You know, he has no idea how the rest of the world works, that people actually have to work for a living and worry about paying their bills and worry about health care and, you know, where the kids are going to go to school. And he doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff, has no idea that what regular people go through. But the people that they've cast in these roles to a person are extremely likable, even lovable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, Brian Cox, who, who plays this monster, he's the biggest sweetheart you've ever met in your life. I mean, just full of fun. You know, he's just, he's a wonderful guy. All of them, Sarah, you know, uh, Jeremy, Kieran, uh, they're just, Matthew McFadden, who plays Tom, they're just really funny, lovable people. And so there's just something about their innate likability that takes the edge off the extreme shittiness of who these people truly are, you know, yeah. and it, it, it draws you in a little bit. When the, the first, when the show premiered a few years back, a lot of critics were saying, I don't know about the show. There's nobody to root for. And I've never understood that because, you know, I, I, my, my story is if we were making a movie about the Nazis, hopefully you wouldn't be rooting for anybody, no. you know, but um, it's fascinating to see these people who will basically they cannibalize each other. You know, I mean, it's like Logan Roy is like Saturn and he will eat his children, Uh, you know? So I I think, um, I think it's fun to watch billionaires self-destruct. And I also think that since these people are being played by actors who are innately lovable, that it just somehow draws you in. I agree. I also like just thinking about succession because again, not to be like, I feel like all I'm talking about is the music, but the underscore of all of this drama is like, first of all, the writing, which is so smart, but also literally the score by Nick Bertel. Like there, every moment of, I would say, interesting dialogue, you know, so many folks at the end of season two, were talking about that pullout shot where Logan sort of gives that half smile after Kendall throws him so far into the bus. I just feel like the height of that was hearing Nick's score underneath it. it is literally the soundtrack of my entire writing life is everything uh, that Nick Bertel writes. But I, I really love the show. And it starts with that, just that theme song. Like, I mean, that's, that's somehow it's, it's so bizarre. It's, it's just it's kind of like a bad dream. It's, yeah. it's like it's, it's like the soundtrack to a bad dream. It's not. Yeah totally overwhelmingly scary but it is it's slightly sinister yeah <laughs> it is yeah. a little weird it, it, it's it's a little weird because that's the show i fire up on sunday nights right right after after whatever sunday night football game just aired then i watch succession and then i i want to prepare myself for bed but you're right the the combination of that score with the opening sequence being like old-timey home movies that yeah. could very easily be the opening of a horror movie it kind of is though if you think about some of the stuff these folks have done um too man it's interesting too with connor i love seeing his sort of like i'm not gonna get my hands dirty but he's obviously like so dirty about it and my favorite thing from him was his disillusional chick like trying to be an artist i really felt like every actor on that set could relate to that person because we all know that person like (laughs) The talent is few, but the finances are large. Let's just put it yes. that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you have fun with that one? Oh, yeah. I mean, she's uh, Justine Loop is just so talented. And, and she's uh, I do most of my stuff with or at least up to this point, I have done most of my yeah. stuff with Justine. And she's just so e- just wherever you go, she'll follow or she comes up with great ideas. And so she's just 
the back and forth is really easy. But yeah, that was very funny that <laughs> this uh, former call girl is is now a playwright. Um, <laughs> but why not? I mean, you know, why not? people reinvent themselves all the time. And so more power to her. And obviously she had talents that got her there. So more power to her. <laughs> God gives everybody something, right? <laughs> Abilities, talents, however you want to frame it. Skills, I, skill sets. Skill set. There you go. <laughs> I was given something and just kind of bring this interview full circle here. Um, so it's not currently in my possession, but I am the proud owner in name of a framed full length Young Guns 2 poster that was oh, given cool. to me years ago from one of my pals, Brianne Chandler, Miss Movies, but I brought it to the studio where I was filming a lot at the time, Collider, and I had it framed right next to my desk. And as a joke, one of my other pals, Nathan, took it when I wasn't there because we're all like, I'm on a text chain with Young Guns 2 fans and that's all we talk about. And so he took the poster and then my friend Darina had it for a while, who's been on the show. Ken, Mark, Riley, a number of people have been in ownership of this poster. And so that's why I don't have it here to show off. But in classic Young Guns 2 fashion, from the words of Alan Ruck, Henry William French himself, who should have the poster? Because it's almost like if we're talking about outlaws here, the owner, like I never stole a poster from someone I didn't like is Nathan's <laughs> line. So maybe I should never have the poster in my possession again. How do you see this poster conundrum, Alan? I think it's crap. I think it's your poster and I think they ought to give it up. I'm, a, I'm sorry. I think I think it was a really good joke. <laughs> and I, I think maybe it'll go on a little longer, but at some point that, that poster needs to come home. It really oh. does. You hear that, I'm boys and girls? Messing. It's my I, poster, and I'm putting it up here, and I don't get damn whatever <laughs> anybody else tells me. I'm putting that Young Guns 2 poster up in my <laughs> humble abode. Um, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's been such a joy having you on the show. I've been excited about this interview, as has Jacqueline, for a long time. And last oh, question Let me tell Mark. I want to make sure we tell this to Al. Before you picked your movie, we just knew you were coming on, and I really <laughs> want to tell you. Lucy was like, we don't know what movie he's going to pick. And Mark was adamant on our thread. He was like, I don't care what he picks. We're just going to talk about it. <laughs> Not kidding. Like, I have the evidence. I'll tweet it out if you don't believe me when this happens. pick something else. I didn't, you know. <laughs> he was like, I'm sorry. Like, we're just going to talk about Young. We'll, we'll put in whatever movie in succession at the end. But we're going to talk. All, like, so, <laughs> so I cannot thank you. Thank you. Thank you enough. Because it really, I know, made his and my day. Well, I'm so happy. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Before you get out of here, though, sir, we definitely want to go ahead. And if you could please give us a movie or TV streaming recommendation, um, because we'd like to hear what you're watching. I got to tell you, I'm yeah, sure. I I I got remarried some years back and I have small children again. I have grown children, but I have small children. So I'm really tired. Um, uh, cause I'm like an old dad. Um, and my wife and I, Mireille and I don't get out that much. We're kind of in a babysitter drought right now, but not too long ago, we went to see free guy with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really enjoyable. And he's, uh, he can kind of do anything. Ryan, uh, my, my wife worked with him. I, we know him a little bit and he's, uh, he's just a really talented fellow, uh, uh, a really likable leading man. He can do anything. And it's a funny, wonderful movie. I thought. Same. There you go. Free yeah, guys, the recommendation. And, uh, and, you know, and, and from Alan's own words, he said, maybe there's one more Western left in him. We'll have to wait on that. Could it be young guns three? That's we'll, hey, we'll have you back when that movie comes. There's out. Rumors. I'm working. 
on there's those adductors and adductors right now. Because you know. <laughs> I was going to say, Alan, have you heard these Young Guns 3 rumors? I, I heard there was uh, some Melio and um, the writer apparently had a Fusco, meeting. Yeah, yeah Va- John Fusco had a meeting and they uh, they tweeted out, we're talking. So Wow, that's exciting. I, that's I will be about it. Listen, I will be about it. Kiefer, this, I, I should have told you this story earlier, but Kiefer made hideous fun of me on that movie because um, I wore that big old farmer hat, you know, and uh, they had two, one for me and one for the stunt guy. The stunt guy's name is Berkey Lilly. He's Jack Lilly's son. Big, stall, you know, strapping dude, Berkey, great guy. He's a stunt coordinator now. Um, but the, the costumer gave the, the proper hat to Berkey and they were off doing second unit somewhere. And my hat was much floppier. And every time we'd start riding like this, my hat would blow up like this. And Kiefer would laugh his ass off and say, you look like you have a flower pot on your head. Cause it, instead of being flat, it was just like, woo, like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're looking like uh, curious George, the, the man in the yellow hat. Oh yeah. No, it looked like, you run oh. off into the sunset and it looks like goofy, just uh, just slowly oh. disappearing <laughs> over the horizon. Well, it was it, it was not goofy. It was Buckshot George for a, a brief moment there, but Henry William French, played by the great Alan Ruck. And Alan, thank you once again for gracing us with your presence. It was a blast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yes. Have a great day. Well, Jacqueline, I can dine out on that for the next 30 years until we do get a proper sequel reboot of Young Guns. What just what a fantastic talk. And and the fact that Alan Ruck was just so giving about stories from the set and stuff like that, it, it really made my week. Yeah, I think we got him to talk about stuff he said he never talked about before with Colburn. Mm-hmm. I honestly if for folks that are watching this on any of our video formats, both Mark and I were cheesing through this entire video. <laughs> So I hope you get to enjoy that. And yeah, man, this was, I've enjoyed all of our certified fresh guests. Do not get me wrong, but this one's, this one was for the home team, as we like to say. That's right. And we, uh, we hope to get together at some point soon with Jacqueline, myself, producing Lucy, Brian Perez, our great engineer to look at some of the, 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 the broadcasting options we have, but then I need the whole team to come over to my place and look at where we put my young guns to poster, because according to Henry William French himself, that is my poster my property and it belongs in my apartment so we'll see if that ever comes to pass but in the meantime thank you everybody for listening Jacqueline we don't have an email today but our listeners can email us anytime because they are all certified fresh members of our catch-up crew the email is rt is wrong at rottentomatoes.com you got a movie you want us to talk about coming up let us know and we'll do our best to get it on the docket and then you talk about, you know, rating, reviewing the podcast and all that stuff. We do have an episode next week, and I'm not sure what we're allowed to say about it yet. Mm, yeah, we're going to keep this one a little bit under the vest, tight to, okay. to the vest on this one. But tune in because basically we have so many choices of great things to talk about. We don't know which one we want to give you next. It's like when the comedy store prints up a lineup and sometimes it just says special guest right there in the middle. And you're like, ooh, who is that going to be? So you can see who that's going to be, or at least hear who that's going to be next week. In the meantime, that's Jacqueline Coley. I'm Mark Ellis for the entire team here at Rotten Tomatoes and the great Henry William French, Alan Ruck. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.